The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm so grateful to be here with you this morning and so grateful that the internet is holding up. Uh, we just have had internet issues. So thrilled to be here, thrilled to be with you and not be frozen. Hey, I'm starting out by saying good morning to Diana and Mary Kathy on YouTube, uh, which is a great segue for me to remind you that we are live. We are coming to you from my house and other people's houses all day today. Thrilled to be here. Uh, but you can be interacting with us just like Diana and Mary Kathy are. So let me tell you a little bit about that because we are live for the next hour. That's right, an hour live here with you. And I'm so excited about it. So we are live right now on YouTube, on Periscope, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on our homepage, autism-live.com. Yes, the website supposedly is fixed. So check us out there. It only takes a small miracle, right? Uh, but we are available in all those places live right now. We will also be uh, available recorded on all those places immediately after the show. And then we will also podcast later in the day or tomorrow this episode to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Ghana, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and many more, like too many more now to list. And we are loving your suggestions of places that you would like to hear us that we are not yet. And assume that if, we, if you're on your favorite podcast place and we're not there, assume that it's just because we don't know. And please let us know because we would like to be as available to people as we possibly can. One of our um, benchmarks is that it has to be free to the viewers. We, we are a free download everywhere. We feel like you have enough things to spend your money on. And when I say you, the people that I'm talking to are the very large autism community, the big, beautiful, bold, diverse autism community that starts, of course, with individuals who are on the autism spectrum. I always like to say they're the beating heart of our community. Everything that we do starts and ends with them, correct? But we also welcome to our audience and to the discussion, everyone who loves those individuals. There's a phrase that's going around right now, allies, right? And, and I consider us all part of a, a beautiful community that we get there together. And where is there? It's different for everyone. It is not a one size fits all. What one person needs is not what another person needs, right? I mean, when would it be in, in life ever that way? But we know that um, individuals on the autism spectrum deserve respect, jobs, housing, the opportunity to love who they love, to wear the clothes they wanna wear, right? All of those things. And those of us who love individuals on the autism spectrum want to help them to get to that. And we know that when we combine all of our voices together, 
that we can help individuals to have their voices heard. How does that sound? That sounds good to me. So we are, uh, I love, I love Purple Lover said, can I ask a question here? And Dakota North said, you just did. And both of you were right. Yes, you can ask questions wherever you just asked that question. Uh, and that's true. It is a question. But we will take a, a question of something that you really want to know. Absolutely. Right where you just did it, Purple Lover. Um, and it shows up almost in real time now on our new platform, which we're really, really loving. So that's how you do that to ask a question on whatever platform that you're doing. I will tell you that for YouTube and Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Periscope, because on this new format, we have the feed comes right in. So you ask the question, and I think it's fairly quickly, it shows up here on my screen. It takes a little bit longer on our homepage, autism-live.com, but there is a chat button there. And I really encourage people, if you're watching the show recorded, to leave chats there because we check that regularly and fold those questions in when we have experts. And someone said, thank you so much for a supportive community. I'm striving to use my voice in Autism and Live is helping me to, to find it. And I, you know, that just warms my heart to the point that I can't even speak. Not really, because I can always speak. Um, but I'll tell you something that um, October has been a little bit of a hiccupy month uh, all over the place, but November is shaping up to be like the best lineup of guests we have ever had on the show 10 years now and it's no, November I can't even tell you but already there are two book, guests book that I've wanted to have on the show forever you're going to lose your minds all right so keep you know keep showing up and we're going to unveil in a couple of days and also you want to make sure that you're here with us not this coming Friday but the Friday after because it's our Halloween episode with Nancy Allspaugh Jackson and I, and we have decided who we're going to be. And if you've watched our show for Halloween before, you know, we don't, we don't do it a little and COVID's not going to stop us. So uh, you're going to want to check this out because we, we have arrived at who we are, we are going to be. And I think it's going to be super fun. Hi, our journey. Um, we're so thrilled to have you here. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, all right. I like to remind you at the start of the show that we have many, many experts on the show, and I'm so privileged to be able to bring that to you. I know in the early days after my son was diagnosed with autism, I was like, where do we go to get information? It just seemed like the wild, wild west. And there was some inter, excuse me, I, these are new teeth. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> But there were some information, I can't even say it still, there was some information on the internet that uh, I wasn't sure is it good information, is it bad information, and now there's just that much more, right? So I was always wanting to go to a conference, couldn't get to a conference because I couldn't afford it, and who was going to watch my child? And if I could find somebody who watched my child, it wasn't going to make any progress, right, while I was gone. So, you know, there was no going to a conference. And I would try to buy books when I could, but books were expensive, right? But I was so jealous of people who could go to conferences. Now, I'll tell you two things. Um, right now, in this month, uh, Taka is doing their month-long online conference. And it was $50 to register. For those of you who watched the show and got in on the early registration for $25, it's a month of conferences, experts that you can watch online. And I think that that's absolutely wonderful uh, because you can't get enough of that, right? That interaction with experts and finding out what's going on for what you need to know, which is not one size fits all. But um, many, many years ago, I got sent to the home of a family and um, I met their kid and it changed everything. 
And of course I'm talking, I, I went to the home of Logan Shepard. We've talked about him before on the show and we want to give a big shout out to Pete Shepard, his dad, because Pete's the one that changed our world. I came to his house to sell him a closet because that's what I was doing when I was selling closets. It was the only thing I could do with the time that I had available because my son had been diagnosed with autism. Had a master's degree in theater and had been a theater professor and I'm selling closets. You know, look, it was an honest living. And um, I showed up at, at Pete Shepard's door and he is one of those people who is just always finding the joy. And I don't know about you guys, but when I, you know, I was in a really bad mood on the day that I came to his house and feeling very sorry for myself and not knowing what the future was for me or my son. And, um, and Pete was just one of those really happy people. And I kind of wanted to choke him. And, uh, but he kept asking me questions, not about closets. Can I just say, he was asking me questions like, was I a parent and how old was my kid? And was my kid talking? Like who asks these questions? Well, eventually I found out that he had a kid on the spectrum too. And Pete is the first person who introduced me to card changed my life changed my son's life, changed my family's life, changed our trajectory. And it's the whole reason why I'm here with you today is because of Pete Shepard. But at one point after he was telling me about Card, I said, you know, I really, I, my husband and I are like, there should be a magazine or something about autism. And I remember Pete was like, well, good luck with that. You have a lot to do to help your kid first. And then, you know, check back with us about that, right? But, but lady, you got a lot to take care of in your own house before you go start a magazine. But really that was the germ of the thought that eventually became a radio show and then now became Autism Live. So we're thanking Pete Shepard. We would not be here that the long and winding road that got us here started in Pete Shepard's living room because he is an uber happy, joyful person. So blessings upon Pete and, and his birthday. But I go to that because I, because my whole thing was I want to go someplace to have experts. So I want to remind you, we bring you as many experts as we can, as often as we can, but I'm not one of them. I've already identified myself as the mother of an individual who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. And, you know, I'm not an even expert in, in him. So don't, I have an opinion. Yes, I have an opinion. Uh, and I, I like to say an informed opinion after interviewing people for over 12 years now about autism, but not an expert. So don't confuse me there, right? Uh, I'm just cycling through. We have had a couple of questions that I want to get to really quickly because we have amazing guests this morning. Where's my chat here? Okay. So um, my son is 30 months old. I'm doing ABA therapy myself. He's combining two words to request his needs. Now I'm working on to make him express his interests and achievements. Any tips on that? I'm going to tell you two things um, that uh, are available to you that we talk about this on the show all the time. Uh, one of them is called ibehavioraltraining.com. And it's a wonderful place where you can get very low cost videos about how to teach an individual on the autism spectrum. And really the truth is it's about how to teach anybody anything. It just happens to also be effective for people on the spectrum. And they offer free trainings every week. They, um, they have trainings in three different categories. They have them for um, people who are already in the field and working to get their CE, their continuing education units. Um, or to learn about a subject that they don't already know about, or to be 
come a registered behavior technician. They have videos about all of those things that you do self-paced, gives you quizzes and you can do them, stop, pause, whatever, perfect, right? They also have a category that's just for teachers. How do you make the classroom work when you're dealing with the, some of the challenges that come with autism? It's great. I'm a former teacher. These are great videos. And then there's a third category that are just for caregivers that are the very real realities of being at home. And, and a lot of it is, um, let's just, I want to say this, has less jargon. So you can do the parent ones to start. And then if you wanted to go on to do a registered behavior technician one, you could you could really do any of them. They're very low cost and they offer some of them free every month. So I don't know, Traven, if you have the phone number that is for IBT so that they can call. And all you have to do is say you watch Autism Live and, and say, you know, what can I, what can you give me? I'm friends with Shannon. I always say, tell them you want the friends and family program. Um, but there's the, the phone number right there, 877-975-4559. Now they also have another product that's called Skills and it is the curriculum. It is the curriculum that they use at CARD. It's the curriculum that helped my son. It's amazing. You don't have to be a CARD client to use the curriculum. It is a subscription base. If you tell them that you saw it here, they'll give you a 10% discount. But it has all of the things that you're asking about. Let me go back to, um, because you're wanting um, for him to express, so it's desires that you're, you're working on uh, for him to express his interest. And so you're gonna, there's a whole set of lessons. I believe it's in the cognition curriculum that's about desires. And he'll learn about his desires, what he likes. And he'll also learn to think about that you like things different than your friend, Letitia, right? Um, so that he'll start to notice that. And that's the beginning of perspective taking, which is pretty awesome, right? I also want to recommend Temple Grandin's book, Calling All Minds, because Temple says that, you know, you, your child is not going to find what jazzes them unless you expose them to a lot of different things. And so she has a book called Calling All Minds. In fact, it's, it's, we're recommending it on our, um, uh, the toy guy that's coming out in a couple of weeks as a gift to give to caregivers because it has little um, things that you can do with your kiddo to sort of see what sparks their interest from, you know, creating a paper airplane um, through so many other different things. And <coughs> excuse me, the, the truth is, is that like anything else, we don't know until we expose them to it. So, um, and that's hard during COVID, it's super duper hard, but the truth is that you can find a lot of virtual things that you can take your child to virtual museums right now, virtual zoos, um, and there's a lot of art programs that are on there. I encourage people just like flood your child with culture to see, you'll see very quickly what they gravitate towards, and then you just expand on that. So uh, we've had Christina Adams on the show before, and her son was always interested in airplanes. And so she didn't leave it there. She, you know, took him to an airport and hired uh, a pilot, you know, to just sit in the, in his little Cessna plane and show the controls to her child to see, are you that level of interested or are you just like the outside? Like what, what do you like, right? And then you just start feeding it a little more and a little more. And, you know, her son didn't end up being a pilot. 
Um, but it fed other things and then she could go, oh, it's this part of the plane that he likes and it's this part of this, um, which is pretty cool, right? Um, so that's, but I love that you are taking this on in COVID at 30 months, girl, you're, you're making it happen. That's really wonderful. Um, hmm. Uh, okay. How am I, Helen? I am good. Happy birthday, Helen. I happened to notice this morning that it was your birthday. So happy birthday to you. Uh, when is a parent able to request from a school district for their child to go to a private school for kids with autism so that they're able to learn in the way that their brain was designed? Well, we've got Bonnie Yates coming up. So we'll ask her that. Um, somebody said, trying, to, uh, trying not to feel sorry for myself. Sometimes I feel like I'm on a slippery slope, uh, learning to live with autism, or shall I say with others that do not understand me and my challenged areas. And you know what? That's a process. And, and I just want to say to you that sometimes the world will tell you who you should be and how you should be. And I think it's really important every once in a while, just stand with your two feet on the ground and tell yourself that you are perfect, just like you are, and that everyone does not have to be the same. I always use the example of Walt Disney. Walt Disney was not like everybody else. His brain did not work like everybody else. And he had some things going on in his brain. People thought he was crazy. Well, you know what? If he's crazy, let's all be crazy, right? Because um, sometimes crazy is crazy good. So um, you're, you're different. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you're here with us. And I, I know that it's hard. But I do know for all of us that self-love has to start inside us, right? Um, and that we can't go looking for it from other people. Sometimes it will show up from other people, but you got to have it inside. And I can tell you that you're perfect. You're absolutely perfect. We're all learning. We're all growing. We can get better at the things that we're not good at, but you're already perfect. And that's the truth. Um Okay, we have got to get to our jargon because Bonnie is probably already here. Um, so really quickly, uh, let's get to the jargon of the day, shall we? Okay, uh, <laughs> this is what every day we try to take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, and we try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are those experts talking about? Uh, so I don't know if I'm sticking, Traven, or what's happening, but have you got jargon? And maybe we just need to go on with Bonnie. I don't know. The jargon may, we may have to, oh, let's go straight to Bonnie. We'll do jargon later. That's what uh, Trayvon was saying to me. Uh, okay, so we have Bonnie Yates with us. She is a special education attorney with a law firm of Tolner Law Offices. And we just adore the ground that she walks on. She's an amazing person, an amazing woman, amazing, amazing attorney. I know she's like, stop already. Uh, but it's all true. An amazing mom. So, Bonnie, welcome back to Autism Live. Uh, oops, I guess that's my cue to talk. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, I just what went I on and actually, on and on. I was actually thinking about was, I think it's harder to be a mom than any of those other jobs I've had, you know? And I know dads and moms now are really learning, you know, exactly how strong they are because they're doing things that they thought, if you told anybody we'd be doing these things, they'd be like, what? <laughs> so we had a bunch of questions that came in and, and a new one today. Them. Um, and then I've got backup information, including okay. do, 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 sexuality, 
predetermination and prior written notice. Ooh, do a lot of stuff. And I'm supposed to have said that I work for Tolner Law Offices. We're an eight attorney firm in San Jose. You can find us on the web. If you want a free consultation and you're in California, Arizona, or Nevada, we can do that for you. If you're in any of the other 50 states, I recommend that you have a specific conversation with a specific attorney about your specific problem. What we're doing here is um, trying to educate you on your, your legal rights under the IDEA, but it's not always a substitute for actually a really focused conversation in which we would actually look at documents also. You know, the documents are a big deal. So um, just, just know that when we're answering questions, oftentimes it's with abbreviated facts, not knowing what state you're in, not knowing what age your child is. So I guess to that end, when you do write questions in and it, it's relevant, if you can tell us those things, it might help us give you a little better answer. So All now right. I'm going to read the questions. Okay. Uh, and we had one that just came in that I want to try to get to as well. That Well, you're the boss. Has you your name in order you want. Okay, so the first one, thank you for all you do. This is such a, and this, they said specifically, this is for Bonnie. And they said, thank you for all you do. This is such a great resource. I have a question about OT. Normally my son has a pullout for OT. He goes into a room full of equipment and he has the opportunity to do big muscle things. This is for his sensory regulation. For two years, they have been telling me he has to have this pullout and it has to be to work the big muscles. I wanted a push in. Nope, they won't. Uh, that won't get it done. He won't be able to focus. Now we are doing school at home, and suddenly they want to tell me he doesn't need it. Based on what? COVID, I guess. The OT person comes on the screen and she has him do handwriting. And really, it's me doing it with him. I said, What happened to all the big movements? And they don't have an answer. Well, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about whether you could stay put prior services during COVID, and the cases have been going in not a consistent direction. Some yes, some no. Did it specify in your IEP anywhere? I wonder that the, that the that this was like, you know, um, for gross motor, it was supposed to be clinically based. It was supposed to be push. You know, it was not supposed to be push in. It was supposed to be for large muscle groups. It would it would be interesting to know if any of that would work. Um, if, if any of that was in your in your IEP, so it's really clear what the services um, you might be able to do a motion for stay put and 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 get them to implement the IEP as it's supposed to be implemented. Um, I'm wondering if they're going to say there's no way they can do the the clinical occupational therapy because I think this person said she's in California. If that's the case. The Norris case, which I circulated a few weeks ago, said if it's if it's necessary to provide FAPE and the district can't do it with its own staff, that's what non-public agencies are for. So they could certainly pay for clinical occupational therapy from a, a non-public provider if they don't have the ability to do it, you know, in-house on their own. Um, it probably behooves you to write them a letter and you know tell them that you were consulting with an attorney and the attorney didn't seem to have the same view as the school district did about why the change in the in the OT service delivery was um, permissible even though that's not what he was getting before and tell them that you would like to have an IEP meeting with them and you hope you can work it out now if you can't work it out you've got more than one option and maybe we could talk about that in a separate show but you know 
Specifically, your options would be file for due process and move for stay put, or you could do a complaint to the California Department of Education saying that they aren't implementing your, your child's IEP properly, and CDE will get involved, and if they find things are wrong, they will order corrective action. And I, I, I do want to say that I feel like one of the bright spots in the last few months is that CDE has been staying on top of districts. I've involved them over issues of IEEs, of district refusing to hold an IEP, even though the assessments had been conducted, that was back in April. Um, and so districts don't like uh, compliance complaints. They don't like the state coming down and sort of poking around in their business. So that might be the most cost-effective way for you to do it. You could also do what's called a uniform complaint, which just goes to the superintendent of your school. Um, I just think those tend to be unproductive. Usually, a lot of the time, it just ends up being a rubber stamp of what was done below. But those those are some options for you. And I don't think, as Shannon said, there hasn't been any showing that um, that there was a reason, a clinical reason, why the services changed. We understand that the services have changed because the district doesn't know how to deliver them anymore. But that's not that's not adequate. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm with you on what is in the IEP, because uh, even for OT, they have, um, you know, goals that your child has. And if there are goals in there about those big muscle, you know, things, then, then, then that's, like you said, Bonnie, I mean, that's where you start and stop. I'm just wondering, so you have an yeah, that's a very good point and one that I didn't think of, which is why it's nice to have you as my back. <laughs> <laughs> you taught me well. I'm, I learn at the feet of the master. But, but you know, here's my question for you, though, that I don't know that I know the answer to. So you have your IEP and you have your goals. And if you haven't, if they haven't X'd those goals, goals out at the end of the year, you start the, the year with those goals until you do a new IEP. Right? Well, then they haven't offered FAPE in that area. If you don't meet the goals, then they haven't offered FAPE. So there we are, because it seems like that's the easiest path to say, to pull out your IEP and go, why, oh, in OT, we have these three goals and I haven't seen the person work on that. And maybe they should be videotaping it to say, you know, it's been three weeks and never once has she worked on this big muscle group. I don't know. You're the lawyer. Tell me. Well, we 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 just don't know what the IEP says, what the goals say, what the baselines were, whether yeah. the child has regressed during COVID and comp ed is owed, but we sort of presume that it is. So But they I guess my question is they can't just decide without an IEP to implement new goals or different goals that, that were in the IEP just because summer happened, correct? Well, the distance learning plan is the way they implement the IEP during school closure, but that to me doesn't mean different goals or a different service. Certainly, if it were to have been a different service, like, oh, okay, the best we can do now is fine motor, if you change that without an IEP, it's a, it's a change of placement without you know, parental notice or participation. So I don't think they're right about it. My my feeling about it is just, hey, they're trying to see whether, you know, it'll fly or not. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. So pull out your IEP, take a look, and then if you want to, write us back. Next question, I asked my school for a distance learning plan, like you suggested. 
they said the plan is for everyone to have distance learning. I, I said, I need something for the IEP. And they said, they're still doing the IEP. They acted like I'm crazy. What are the words that I need to say? And I've heard this from more than one parent, yeah. Bonnie, that the school is like, you know, the distance learning plan is we're going distance learning. They don't know what it means. What, well, what, we what I would have to ask her first is what are they doing now? And how does it compare to what your student had prior to school closure? Are they implementing the IEP to the best of their ability? The law in California says they have to have an emergency plan and they do need to they do need to reduce it to writing. So again, I feel like districts, okay, first of all, I just want to say to everybody, the districts are really busy. Like the attorneys are being really slow to get back to us and they're even coming way close to blowing timelines on 30-day IEP requests. So if you're experiencing that, it's not in your imagination. Um, and so I think their problem is they're probably having to do some kind of IEP for every kid where before they were only doing a manually. So they're, they're definitely backed up. Um, and I think you need to have um, a discussion with them and tell them that you understand that the distance learning plan is the way they're implementing FAPE, but you have concerns about the way they're implementing it and you have some other ideas and suggestions and you want to have a meeting. I mean, yeah. if, if at the bare minimum, they need to send you the distance learning plan, you know. Oh, they're acting like they don't even, a lot of these schools are, a lot of these schools, Bonnie, are acting like they don't even know what that is. Yeah, well, guess what? Th th that's not true. They do know. Okay. SB820 right. specifically references that anytime there's a closure of school for more than 10 days, at the next IEP, the district has to develop an emergency plan. So that's California laws, SB 820. You know, okay. I mean, sometimes you just hear stuff and you sort of scratch your head. I had a question this morning from an advocate who told her that prior written notice wasn't a part of the law anymore. And I was just like, well, here's the law. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see any change. I mean, you have to consider the source. And I guess, you know, you really have to consider the source. Like, you know, I learned a long time ago in law school after you would leave and you would, from an exam, you'd hear everybody talking about what they wrote on the exam. And then you'd get all intimidated and freaked out. And then you'd say to yourself, I can't listen to these people. So, you know, if people are telling you stuff and it doesn't seem right to you, that's probably because it doesn't pass the smell test. There we go. Uh, okay. Oh, I feel so bad for this parent. I, they say, I am just done with this school nonsense. I want to stop. Can we just throw this year in the rubbish? We were distance learning and I tried it for four weeks. Then I asked for an IEP to say it's not working. They told me at the meeting we were going back to in-person, so all would be better. We started in-person, went four days, and one of the kids tested positive. Now we are back to being at home for two weeks. Uh, he is in second grade, a special ed class, has autism plus. If we just stop and say we will try again next fall, do we lose anything? We'll lose the year, but will we lose the IEP and have to start all over? I don't think there's any, of any benefit for him to be at the school with masks and risking of being infected and distance isn't working at all. Well, I guess what I would say to her is, what is your plan C? Is your plan C that you're going to homeschool him? 
Is your plan C that you're going to find a private school that you think is safe? If you just opt out for a year, then they don't have any obligation to provide you with compensatory education, which they owe you from March to, it sounds like you did, you know, four year, four weeks in the fall and it wasn't very good. And I hope you took really good documentation. So what you need to do is have an IEP with them and tell them that they're, you know, the options that you've been offered are so bad that you're considering, you know, having to resort to self-help measures, but tell them you don't want to do that, but this is what it's going to take if they're going to fix things for you. Now, there's a lot of um, school district attorneys running around telling people if the parent, you know, removes a child from the, from the local public school and places a child in a private program, they're disenrolled from the district. That is not true. If you are removing your child from public school because the district isn't offering you a free appropriate public education and you give 10 business days notice and your reasons for the removal, you still have claims against the district. So if your position is the best I can do is homeschool my student for this school year, you need to give them notice in a way that's going to protect your right to bring claims later. Now, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's worth bringing up again. In California, all you have to do to form a homeschool is to go online to the California Department of Education, fill in a two-page homeschool affidavit, which is nothing. And once you do that, your home becomes a private school with one student, your student. So that's the way you protect your rights. I think that, you know, the, the, the big problem for, for folks is like, what if there are no good options at all? Well, and I'll be honest with you, Bonnie, I, I'm hearing from a lot of parents who have kids that are um, greatly affected and, you know, that things are really hard in a regular uh, situation. Yes, but with they COVID, are. And they're saying to me, why can't I just not do any, like, I want my child to be educated, but I send my child mostly to school for um, for them to have a break, for them to socialize, for me to have a break. And since none of that is happening, can't I just, and, and parents who have said to me, listen, my kid is not the kid who's ever going to go to college. My kid, uh, you know, they, they'll say to me, I'm not giving up, but I want to be realistic. And this is just torture. Do we have, could we just take a year off? Well, yeah, I just, and I, don't told, really I just told you how to take a year off. I mean, I just told you that you could do homeschooling for a year and not. But what if they don't want to do homeschooling? Can they well, what just. Are they, what are they going to do? Play. And, and that is homeschooling. There's no specific curriculum okay. they have to follow. That's the whole thing about California is if you set up a homeschool in your home, nobody can come in and tell you you're doing it wrong. Now, if you opt out of distance learning and you don't set up the homeschool or communicate to the district what you're doing, they can still report you for truancy okay. for not for not. Well, doing that's the answer, I mean, the other thing we've been doing is we've been taking the distance learning plans and actually taking data on them. We did an IEP, which turned out quite successfully after we showed all the problems with the distance learning plan and <clears throat> excuse me, indicated periods of the day that we wanted to opt out from, <clears throat> sorry, the district um, agreed to move the ABA provider um, from Zoom to home. So um, that, you know, that there might be ways to reconfigure the schedule that make it more useful to the parent. Okay. Well, all of this sort of feeds into the next question that I have. 
Um, how does the funding for in-home school programs work? I just keep thinking they have, they already have this figured out. The ones that you subscribe to, I think is what they're talking about, that they've already ha had this figured uh -huh. out. I would switch to a homeschool program if I knew we wouldn't have to pay for it. Okay, well, the private homeschools like Laurel Springs, you do have to pay for. The advantage to those is that you don't change districts. If you if you write the district a letter and you say you're you know you're not offering me a FAPE, I have no choice, but I got to set up a homeschool in my home, and I'm going to use the Laurel Springs curriculum. You still have claims against the district for the time period when your kid's going to be in homeschool. If instead you you put your child in any one of the any one of a number of these um, virtual charter schools, I guess we should call them that have a curriculum, um, you change your district. Now, CDE also has a, there's a California state curriculum. I don't know how much, what else they offer. Like when you join a, a virtual charter school, they usually give you a little more than just the curriculum. You know, there's some services too, but, but you can certainly um, do that. The question is, do you want to, do you want to, disenroll your child from the district, which is what happens if you put them in a virtual charter school, then the charter school becomes responsible for implementing the IEP. Um, or do you want to, you know, um, not do that so that you can, you can stay uh, enrolled in your own district and bring claims against them. It, it's, you know, um, it's sort of six of one half a dozen of another, but yes, you can you can certainly do an online program. The thing I was hearing from a client um, in August was that CDE for the first time put caps on some of these virtual charter schools, and they they were filling up. And so I don't know how easy it's going to even be to find a charter school that can can offer a, a spot at this point. But I haven't looked. Okay. But but the I think the main thing is is that it sounds like if you pull your child out, you're gonna have to pay for the for the homeschool program. You can always go back and see if you can get the money from the school, but there's no guarantee. Is that what if you're, you're saying? If you're gonna do that, if you are gonna do that, I mean legally that's true. I mean, if you can't find an, an a free curriculum that you can use, you need to give the district 10 business days notice and tell them why. And then yes, you can certainly um when school when school reopens there's going to be a reckoning in terms of you know what kids are owed for comp ed and um and at that point you would certainly be able to raise the issue or even sooner of of why you need this curriculum okay uh we're saying hi to miss brenda lee we're actually saying hi to a bunch of people I want to go to a question that Missy asked. She's in Glendale and she says, when is a parent able to request from a school district for their child to go to a private school for kids with autism so that they're able to learn in the way that their brain was designed? Well, the answer is when the district can't offer them FAPE within the district. I mean, we do private school cases all the time. You've got to get an outside evaluation that looks at the, the current setting and then looks at the possibilities and makes a recommendation, you need to take that back to the district at an IEP meeting and say, I've just had this qualified outside evaluator look at my child's needs via assessment and also via observation. And she doesn't think the present placement is working. She thinks I need a non-public school. They don't usually like to say the name of, of it. It makes it hard if it 
turns out that school isn't available. So they usually say things like, well, they need, it needs to be a special education school with a class size no larger than 13 and teachers trained in multi-sensory reading methods and, you know, OT on staff. And I mean, they can list out all the, the specifics. Um, when the district is asked that at the IEP meeting and they say, no, that's when you have to file for due process. And most people who get private schools or non-public schools are having to go to due process. Not everybody, um, but a lot of people wouldn't have the services they have if they had sort of quit at the IEP level. I want to I want to do a shout out because I don't know if she's still with us, but Melissa Schomburg Lander was with us for a few minutes, okay. and she was somebody that you did a shout out for last week and talked about how amazing she is and. Her service standout advocates, um, how amazing they are. I think we're both big fans of hers. Just giving a shout yep. out to her. Yep, yep, yep. I also want to say somebody uh, wrote in and said, I'm doing uh, play based therapy. My little girl is 30 months old. She has language, some sort of social skills, but she engages in self play most of the time. Any tips on improving social behavior? And then we've had several questions about people talking about play therapy. And I don't know where you are on this, Bonnie. I love toys. And I love using toys as part of therapy. It's the reason why we have our toy guide that we're going to start revealing next month. And, and I think that play is a really important way for our kiddos to have a safe place in which to learn important lessons, including social lessons. I do want to caution everybody, though, that at, at two and a half, um, you know, that's a if your child is a has an autism spectrum diagnosis, that is a time when you are at your, it's most advantageous for you to start an ABA program. And part of ABA uh, utilizes play. Um, so I just, I just want to put that out there that there are zero studies that show that a child has made enough progress from play therapy to lose their diagnosis. There's zero studies that show that. But there are over a thousand studies that show that with ABA started at that age, it's entirely possible that roughly 50% of the kids who start ABA at the, at the age of that 30 months uh, will lose their diagnosis if they get good quality ABA therapy and they get the right amount of it. We're not talking about 10 hours a week. We're not no. talking about 20 hours a week. We're talking about 40 hours a week. So I just want to put that out there. Bonnie, do you have anything that you want to say about that? Because I know you have feelings about ABA. Well, I, I, you and I both had a very excellent result with ABA. So, um, so, you know, um, if I had to do it all over again, there might be some things I would tweak, but I, you know, I mean, I don't really have the expertise to comment about, about play therapy and say more than, than you said already. Um, I mean, I'm I'm playing all the time with a 15-month-old little boy, and I teach him everything via play. But he's not having any significant interfering, you know, behaviors. So I mean, yeah. well, even then, at two and a half, our kids are so still supposed to be playing side by side. They're not supposed to be interacting. Although there are a bunch of things that we can do in play to build social skills. And I would tell you, we talked about skills earlier. I would tell you to look at the joint attention lessons that if you can at that age be getting a child to look at something. So you look at something and you go, Oh, look, it's Mickey mouse. And they look at Mickey mouse. And then you both turn back and look at each other and then look back at Mickey mouse. 
that's the ground floor of every social skill that happens later on. It's called joint attention. And there are lessons to teach that through play. Um, but at two and a half, you should not be expecting them uh, to do a great deal more than that. But take a look at skills. It, it age norms all of the different things. All right, Bonnie, we literally only, because I have to still do jargon of the day. So we, we probably have like two more minutes. Is there something that you would like to do with two more minutes? Uh, yeah, I think we could do... Well, I think we could at least start talking about sexuality. Let's do it. Okay, Let's so sexuality, it. sexuality is not a topic that is particularly like favored by parents of young children. And um, so for parents with disabilities, this becomes an even more perplexing topic. I can just tell you without getting into any gory details, disability or not, you know, sexuality is going to become an issue as your child becomes 10, 11, 12. Um, so I, I think the best way to handle it is to be matter of fact. Now, Regional Center historically has provided some courses on sexuality, but the resource that I was looking at over the weekend um, talks about it more in terms of being a responsibility of the school district to address in kind of community-based education. So maybe if I read really fast, okay. I can just read this one page and then the other stuff that we were going to do today we can do next week okay okay comprehensive sexuality education can be integral to the development of students with disabilities particularly those that are socially isolated during the pandemic sexuality education concepts include personal and interpersonal skills such as valuing others making decisions communicating and self-advocacy said rachel schwartz an education consultant and behaviorist with the Watson Institute in Pittsburgh. But often these skills in the context of sexuality are overlooked. The former special education teacher said that in some cases, educators are not providing information to students at all. In other cases, educators are providing indirect, incomplete, or infrequent information. And that goes back to, you know, we're all animals. This is a biological process, and we have to just be matter of fact about it, in my opinion. Sexuality education may be ineffective when language is not concrete or it is incomplete, said Schwartz, adding that educators tend not to say things as they are. For example, educators may talk about hygiene or touch, but steer away from more uncomfortable conversation. The best thing we can do as special educators is to empower language, she said. Sexuality education is not just about sexual intercourse. Sexuality relates to sexual, excuse me, to self-image. Schwartz said that when it comes to sexuality, students with disabilities develop the same as their peers without exceptionality. They still want to have personal connections with other people. Schwartz said that by not integrating sexuality into differentiated instruction, we're really denying students the ability to be included in a community and interacting. By being more deliberate, educators can prevent adults coming in, into this world without necessary knowledge and being susceptible to sexual assault and sexual abuse, she said. So should I stop there and I can do the rest next week? Yeah, we had one more question. Thank you, Bonnie. We had one more question come in. Do you know the name of a lawyer in Queens, New York, who represents teenagers for social security benefits or a group I can reach out to? Yeah, Gary Meyerson, M-A-Y-E-R-S-O-N. He's in New York City. Uh, call him and get a reference. He should know somebody. Okay. M-A-Y-E-R-S-O-N or Barbara Eben. 
Steen, who I've mentioned before on the show, E-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. They ought to know. And if you are in California, Nevada, or Arizona, we want to encourage you to reach out to Bonnie's law firm, Tolner Law Offices. And, uh, and they said, thank you for that, Bonnie. Um, and talk to them, you know, you, uh, if you want to get a free consultation, you can, you do have to fill out some yep. paperwork to be able to do it's that. A very short form. But can I just jump in and say somebody else is posing a really good question that we don't have time to answer on the air now, but we could talk about next week. When yeah. is a good time to tell the child they have autism? Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll come back to that. Yeah, um, that's a really important question. But um, Bonnie, we, we thank you so much. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is that you also recommend that if if somebody is outside of California, Nevada, or Arizona to reach out to COPA. Yeah, COPA is a really good place to start. I think it's a really good organization and they do have an attorney directory for all the 50 states. So thank you for mentioning that, Shannon. COPAA.net. I believe .com works as well. Uh, but Bonnie, we we so, org. so I don't it might be. I don't uh, know. But I'm just kidding. You know what? I think it's copa.net. Okay. Uh, but it, it might that. but see see what works. Okay. Bonnie, thank you so much. We're going to stick around to do uh, jargon of the day, but we really appreciate you being with us and answering these questions. Okay, well we'll pick it up next week. We will. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye everybody. Okay, I just didn't want to get behind on our jargon. Uh, we have a quota. We have to do a certain number. So uh, let's go ahead with jargon of the day there, Traven. We're doing it at a weird time. But this is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, not look at what our jargon of the day is today. What in the hey, nani, nani are those experts talking about and what does it have to do with us? So we were just talking about IEPs. And I always encourage you, if we're using letters on the show and you're like, I don't know what they're talking about, please remember we were that way on a day. I remember somebody saying the word IEP. I was a teacher and I didn't know what it was, right? Uh, So let's go ahead and look at our actual definition of what an IEP is. And then we'll we'll give you a working definition, something that you don't have to have... uh, a degree in education or be an attorney to know. So uh, Traven, can we have that screen back? There we are, IEP. So what's our actual definition of an IEP? IEP stands for Individualized Education Program, a federally mandated legal document that details education goals for a specific child within the special education scope. You have to be, um, you have to have a qualifying reason to have an IEP, but autism, if you have an autism diagnosis, your child is um, eligible for an IEP. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but this this is a little bit overwhelming, right? Because you go, I don't know. So let's go on to our working definition of what an IEP is. Um, this is a written plan to educate a child with special needs that must be followed. It's a legal document and what is on there, you have a legal right to. So a lot of times when you guys write in and ask Bonnie a question, we'll say what's on the IEP because everybody's goals are different and there are different parts of the IEP that it, you know, there's a place where it specifies services. So that's where on the service page is where you'll see if your child has an aid, you'll see if your child has um, OT or APE, alphabet land, right? So OT is occupational therapy, whether they have speech, 
whether they AP is adaptive physical education, there might be other services on there um, that your child gets and they'll detail how many minutes they get across a month or a semester or a year. Uh, they're always pulling out their calculators, figuring out how many, if it's, you know, once half an hour a week, how many minutes is that across a year, right? Um, so that's the services page, but then there are goals and the goals outline everything that you're, that they are responsible for teaching your child that school year. So, you know, it's really like you want, it's, it's like a crystal ball. You want to look into the future and see, okay, at the end of this school year, he will be able to identify all of the letters in the alphabet. Um, right. And then they set benchmarks for, you know, we don't, we don't just plan to get there. We every quarter we have to report how are we doing on this, right? Um, there are accommodations. There's an accommodation page that talks about things that have to be a little bit different for your child as opposed to another child. Like maybe on the accommodations page, it has that your child has preferential seating in the classroom, so that they're sitting in the front or the back or whatever works for them, right? I remember at one point we had to get that for my son because th things were going great in school and then they weren't. And we had eyes go in and observe and go, he's sitting directly behind a girl with a swishy blonde ponytail and all he's watching is the ponytail. We switched their desks and now he was sitting in front of her. We go back to being a stellar scholar, right? So sometimes our kids need preferential seating. Accommodations could be that they get more time on assignments, that they get reduced homework. I mean, the list is endless for accommodations. Um, but the other thing that there's a place on the first page of your IEP that it says behavior intervention plan attached. And if it is checked, then the behavior intervention plan has to be attached. And then the behavior intervention plan becomes legal too, which means if they don't follow the behavior intervention plan, they're in trouble. So if the behavior intervention plan says that if your child is spitting, it says, first we do this, then we do this, and then this happens, right? And so if it doesn't, and your teacher decides to humiliate your child and make them stand on a chair with their face um, in the corner, and that's not what it says on the BIP, because it would never say that on the BIP, the behavior intervention plan, then that's legally actionable. You know, so often as we watch the news and we see these ridiculous things that teachers do with kids that are on the autism spectrum. And it just, I'm a former teacher. It just makes me nuts. Um, but it also makes me go, is there a BIP? And was it checked off attached to the IEP? Because if there is, people are in a whole world of hurt and trouble, right? Um, because that's when legally you have big standing. Um, because if they're not if they're not following the letter of the law on the IEP, then they are what we call out of compliance. And when you say to a school district, excuse me, you're out of compliance, a shiver runs down their spine because out of compliance means they are gonna end up writing a check and they don't like to write checks, right? Um, so we utilize this document to make sure that our child is getting their free appropriate public education. That's why the IEP is so important. You go to a meeting, please make sure you go to the meeting, please make sure you tape record it and don't sign it until you've had an opportunity to go home, mull it over, proofread it. I've, I've had IEPs where they shoved something into it that we did not discuss in the meeting that I caught on the second and third read. If you have the opportunity to have a friend or a lawyer look it over and make sure that it's all on the up and up 
venue sign, right? Uh, Amanda says, I love accommodations. You can get them for standardized testing as well. It was very helpful for my son. Oh, yes. I, the accommodations page sometimes makes all the difference in the world. You know what my favorite accommodation was? Is that... Um, that my child, now he's at a school where they do this anyway, but I don't, you know, I know why schools don't do this because they can't always afford to, but having one set of books for the school and one set of books for home. So you never are sitting there doing homework um, and going, oop, we don't have the book. And your child doesn't end up with scoliosis from carrying every book home every single time. I can't even tell you what a difference that made when we had that accommodation put in. Um, you know, having, uh, someone to work on executive functions, things, um, with your child, especially when they get up into those junior high years, you can, you can ask for executive function assistance, either from an aide or from someone else. And, um, what it does is helps them to learn how to use a planner and checks in with them about, okay, you were assigned this and it's due in 14 days. So what do you need to be doing today and carrying them all the way through? Cause a lot of times our kiddos can do the work. They just don't know how to hand it in and take it to completion. And having an executive functions coach sometimes can be like, woo, watch that kid become stellar A student. Uh, okay, so um, that's our that's our jargon of the day. We got to quickly move on to our question of the day for you. Our question today is: How is distance learning going for you? <laughs> how is that? How's that? And I laugh because it's that or cry, right? I don't know anybody who's like, "Ooh, my distance learning plan is so good; it's so much better than it was before." I have heard people say my child is learning so much more than they were in school. I have heard that, but it's not because of the distance learning plan. So uh, how is it going for you and what do you need? Because we're going to be talking about this more and more, you know, because it's the hot topic right now, right? Uh, so moving on, we always have a topic of the week and how do we put all of these things together? What is our topic this week for you? It's learning to learn and being able to... Um, help our kids to learn and grow some i mean it's really important to educate our kids but if we lose out on that part of education where we're teaching them how to learn we're missing the boat so i love and this is one of the reasons why i love good quality aba is because the whole purpose of aba is to teach you how to learn and how to generalize things so that you know, my son asked me a question the other day. He's in honors physics and it's just a headache. And he said to me, he was working really hard on this midterm test and it's just really exhausting. I don't even understand. I look at the questions and I'm like, is that even English? I don't know. Right. And he said to me, is this even going to matter for me? Is this stuff I'm going to learn later on? And I said to him, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I learned in school that I do use. I use every single day and it's not the stuff I thought I was going to learn, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't use the cold, hard facts of what I learned, but what I learn is the experience of it. So you may never use this physics stuff again in your life, but learning how to get through a task that is monumental, that seems pointless and take it through fruition and feel good about yourself, that you're going to remember the rest of your life. Um, and I think that this is true for all of our kids. And when I think about the fact that when my son was starting kindergarten and the thing that I was worried about was, will he ever understand that today is 
a Monday and what things happen on Monday. Will my son ever know that? And I would cry because it didn't feel like to me that he would ever, you know, he would get up and I would say, it's Monday and Monday means we go back to school and it would just, you know, um, and I thought he's, the day isn't going to come that when he goes, oh, today is Monday or, you know, we're, we're two weeks away from election day. Like he won't be able to put that into into context and understand the magnitude of all these different little aspects that he'll never be able to do that. And I just want to share with all of you that, my gosh, no, we now we got there and now we're working on honors physics, you know? So I just want to say learning to learn. If, if we can't get to the point where we can actually be educating into facts during distance learning, I would tell you, spend less time worrying about that. Ask yourself, is my child learning how to learn in different environments? And if you're doing that, this year is going to end up okay. It will. Um, you know, maybe we'll have to go back and teach some of the fact things, but really the most important thing is, are they learning how to learn? And this distance learning thing is a different modality and it's hard, you know, and every kid comes in at a different level and with different interests, um, but it can be done. We've had people on the show, like those air tutor people. Um, I'm trying to think, we, we've had other people on, I gotta get Sarah Niehoff back on, but um, there are people who are very good at helping our kids. I'm not talking about other people's kids, our kids to be able to do it in this modality. And I don't think that that's unimportant. Um, we gotta meet them where they are, but having them be able to learn in this modality will help them the rest of their lives. It will. So in any case, um, somebody says not going, I pulled him out to homeschool and I'm loving it, man. You're an inspiration to all of us, right? We're going to have to have you tell us some of your tips and tricks. Uh, people say it's hard. The homeschooling is hard. Yes. Um, it is hard. All I can tell you is we got to keep on swimming. My, somebody said my son with autism passed his driving test. Woo. That's awesome. That's absolutely incredible. Okay. You guys, we are well past the time when we need to, uh, actually we're not that past. My clock is off. So there we go. Um, but we are, we are over time. So I, I just want to thank everybody for being here. I want to remind you that tomorrow we are doing a best of Temple Grandin. And uh, so there's some new stuff on there that I don't think we've aired before. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. We're back here on Wednesday with Evelyn Kung. She's going to be here with us to answer your questions. You can be sending those into us, including on our homepage, autism-live.com right now. And um, on Thursday, we are going to be doing the toolkit box for how to, how to survive this fall, fall 2020. <laughs> including distance learning tips, including holiday tips. Uh, we've got some great expert advice lined up for you. And on Friday, we're back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy and Vince Redmond, licensed marriage and family therapist, is going to be here with us. And we're going to be talking about stress, stress for us, stress for our kids. So, uh, and how to cope with all that's going on. I saw a really wonderful cartoon today where it said, you know, uh, just like, um, general stress of life, right? And it was a ball. 
And then somebody hands them another ball and goes, oh, let's deal with pandemic and COVID stress. Oh, okay. Let's deal with all the financial things that are going on in 2020. Let's deal with election stress. Let's deal with, you know, and one by one, they just kept handing him balls and he, and he has this look on his face like, ah, and it said 2020. And I thought, yeah, <laughs> that would be all of us, right? And then for all of you, let's let's add autism and the world not understanding autism and, and sometimes us not understanding autism, right? Let's add that ball in. Yeah. So we're learning how to juggle. We're learning how to juggle. All right, you guys, uh, I got to shut up and go, but I so adore you. And I am so privileged to, uh, so privileged to be here with all of you. I'm just reading some of the notes that you guys are writing and I just adore you. Okay. Privileged to be here with you. We're going to be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.